Good morning. Welcome everyone to our Aliyah day. It is prep day as we are preparing for uh, Hashem's holy Sabbath. So I welcome you today as we're diving into the sixth and seventh uh, Aliyah of this amazing and wonderful parasha. And it's going to be exciting. So welcome, Celia. Glad you're here. One of our local uh, Sar Shalomis here in the uh, Fort Worth area. Stephanie, one of our online family members here from California. Sue Ellen from Oklahoma. Dominique. Dominique from the town family from uh, Kansas City. Welcome, Dominique Hadas, another uh, Sar Shalomi uh, local here. Uh, Lynn, welcome, Lynn. John, good evening from India. Good to see you, John. Welcome, uh, Shoshana Brenner from uh, also uh, a local, although on the far side of the Metroplex, uh, as it were. So good to see you. Yiska, watching from Florida. Glad to see you. Devorah Covington, good to see you. Devorah, glad you're here. Georgia, welcome to everybody. Ari, good to see you. Shara, uh, excuse me, Yara, good to see you as well. And uh, wow, Daniel, good to see you. Look at all these wonderful people jumping online here. Shoshana Teeman, watching from Tulsa, one of our uh, Tulsa Lapidniks. They're having a uh, Arab Shabbat dinner tonight for the community for a Shabbos project event. And so that's exciting. If you live in the Tulsa area, you want to look up uh, Sar Shalom Tulsa. It is our uh, sister congregation, another wonderful Lapid congregation. They are having a humongous, a ginormous uh, Arab Shabbat to celebrate the Shabbos project. And so uh, you want to be a part of that. You want to get on board for that. You do not want to miss that because those are some really exciting and wonderful people uh, there. It's such a wonderful experience. Diane uh, from Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Diane from Portland, Oregon. So we have people watching from Florida to Portland uh, to India. And I'm sure Claire will be here. I think it's Claire who lives in uh, South Africa. And uh, anyway, it's wonderful. Glad you're here. If you have the Art School Humash, we are going to be on page 99. This is today's reading is the sixth and seventh Aliyah. So much to be, uh, to be sharing here. And we'll begin reading in chapter 21, beginning in verse 22, uh, and then go to the end of the Aliyah here. So let's read. It says, At that time, Abimelech and Fikol, general of his legion, said to Abraham, go, God is with you in all that you do. Now swear to me, here by God that you will not deal falsely with me, nor with my child, nor with my grandchild, according to the kindness that I have done with you, do with me, and with the land in which you have sojourned. <clears throat> and Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham disputed with Abimelech regarding the well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I do not know who did this thing. Furthermore, you have never told me, and moreover, I myself have heard nothing about it except for today. So Abraham took flocks and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them entered into a covenant, into a bris. Abraham set seven ewes of the flock by themselves, and Abimelech said to Abraham, What are these seven ewes which you have set by themselves? Joy, welcome. Joy just popped in here from New Hampshire. I bet it's beautiful in New Hampshire right now. I've not been to New Hampshire but someday we'll go. 
Verse 30, and he replied, Because you are to take these seven ewes from me, that it may serve me as a testimony that I dug this well, therefore that place was called Beersheba, because there are uh, there the two of them took an oath. Thus they entered into a covenant to Beersheba. Abimelech then arose with the cold general of his legion, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. He planted, he planted an Eshel in Beersheba, and there he proclaimed the name of Adonai, God of the universe. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistine many years. Chapter 22. Chapter 22. It says, And it happened after these things that God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he replied, Here am I. And he said, Please take your son, your only one whom you love, Yitzhak, and go to the land of Moriah. Bring him up there as an offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham woke up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took his two young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the offering and stood up and went to the place which God had spoken to him. He got up early. God says, Sacrifice your son. son. And uh, Abraham gets up early. He's quick to do a mitzvah, even when it comes to offering up his only son. So on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and perceived the place from afar. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here by yourself with the donkey while I and the lad will go yonder. We will worship and we will return to you. And Abraham took the wood for the offering and placed it on Isaac, his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife and the two of them went together. Then Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Here are the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? And Abraham said, Abraham said, Vayomer Abraham Elohim, Yireh lo chashe leola b'nei ve'yalaku shenachem yachadav. So it says, Abraham said to him, God will seek out for himself the lamb for the offering of my son. Now, the reason that I took the time here to read this in the Ivrit is because in the English we have God will seek out for himself the lamb for the offering, comma, my son. So we read that in English <coughs> to mean that he's saying, listen, God will provide the, the lamb for the offering, my son. He's like he's addressing him. But in the Vrail, it says, Vayomer Abraham Elohim Yere Lo Hase Leola Bene. There is no comma. So we can read it God will seek out for himself the lamb for the offering, my son. So he's telling Yitzhak at this time, You are the lamb. God is going to seek out the offering for himself. My son, that's you. And the two of them went together. Now, something else should be pointed out here. That Yitzhak, at this point, Isaac, is um, about 37 years old. He is not a little child. It's not a little boy. 
Abraham is not dragging an adolescent, a little t- a teenager or a m- middle schooler or an elementary kid up a mountain. This is a grown man who had the physical power to overpower his father. Which makes the story even more poignant because we talk about the faith of Abraham offering his son, but we also have the faith of Isaac. Now, this is what's referred to as the Akedah or the Akedah. There's a lot to be taught about the Akedah or the Akedah. And um, uh, we're not going to get to it today. I've taught on it in the past. If you, in particularly, if you want to hear some really uh, more in-depth concepts about the Akeda, then I would encourage you to look at this this past uh, Rosh Hashanah uh, drosh that I gave, last year's Rosh Hashanah drosh, and probably the year before that, because typically on Rosh Hashanah, I tend to speak about the Akeda in great detail because it's like one of the readings for Rosh Hashanah. Uh, with God's help, I intend to do a video lesson on this channel, one of our Shalom Studio lessons that Mikael and Amet helped me to do um, on this topic, but it's going to be third in line. In fact, there are two videos that are forthcoming that Amet has just recorded. It's going to blow you away. And we have another video that Mikael is working on, which is going to blow you away. And then yours truly has two more in the pipeline and then maybe the Akeda will be the third uh, on my agenda. But uh, anyway, lot, that's why I always say subscribe to the channel, click the bell icon, because you might just be minding your own business and all of a sudden we drop a nuclear bomb in your lap. But it's a good nuclear bomb. <laughs> in this case, it's a, it's a blessing, Brukership. So anyway, he's a grown man. So when he says that God will provide the lamb for the offering, my son... Isaac, he could have just said, nope, not, nope, no thank you, and could have walked right down the mountain, but instead they walked together, and it says the two of them went together. In other words, the sages bring out this phrase, went together, is that they were walking in unity. In other words, they were going to the place of sacrifice with the same heart and the same mission. Abraham to fulfill God's will to offer his son, and Isaac to be the willing offering. There's a very moving midrash. I think I've shared this in one of those three drashes I mentioned to you just a second ago that gets into great detail the dialogue that happened between Yitzhak and Avraham as Yitzhak is laying down on the wood and what have you. Uh, It's very, very insightful. In fact, there is a Gemara from the book of Sanhedrin. I don't have the exact source in front of me, but I have it written down in another uh, book that says that when Isaac was carrying his wood, or the wood, up to the to the uh, mountain, which by the way is Mount Moriah, which is the place where the temple uh, was and will be soon in our time, amen, uh, that it says that when he was carrying the wood up there, it was like, it actually says this in the book, in the uh, tractate of the Talmud Sanhedrin, that it was like someone carrying their wood or their beam to be crucified. Yes, that is true. 
that the sages say, I want you to think about this because there's so many important parallels to the Akedah and Yeshua and the sacrifice of Yeshua that it says that when Yitzhak was bringing the wood up to the mountain where he was going to be put on it, and he knew it, that it was like someone bringing their wood or their beam to be crucified. Isn't it interesting that in the Talmud, when it talks about the son being offered by the father, that it actually uses crucifixion as, as the uh, analogy? Fascinating, isn't it? As I've said countless times, my friends, this is why it is so important to study Torah from and within the framework of Judaism and Jewish literature. And the people that reject rabbinic Judaism and reject Jewish literature because of their anti-Semitism are missing out on everything. Everything. They, they, I could say this unequivocally, they literally know nothing. And I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just trying to be emphatic for the purposes of education. It's how important it is. But, I digress. Verse 9, They arrived at the place of which God had spoken to him, and Abraham built the altar there, and arranged the wood. He bound Isaac his son, and he placed him on the altar atop the wood, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. And an angel of Adonai called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Hineni, here am I. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad, nor do anything to him. For now, I know that you're a God-fearing man since you have not withheld your son. You're only one from me. Now, wait a minute. God knows all things, correct? Yes, he does. How is it that Hashem is saying here, now I know you're a God-fearing man? God didn't know that before. God knows us better than we know ourselves. So are we saying that God didn't realize? No. Of course God knew. But this proves that our doing, our obedience to the commandments of God is a requirement. It's not an option. Some people say, all you need is faith. All you need is faith. Uh, and that's, that's faith is all you need. But actually not so much. Because here we have Abraham. Remember, it was said about Abraham, he believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. But God even then didn't know if he was truly a God-fearing man until what? until he obeyed his commandments. So the whole idea about people saying, well, all you need is faith, you don't need obedience to the law, is completely and utterly, utterly contrary to the word of God itself. As I've said again many, many times, very often theology, when I say very often, I mean like, oh, 99.9% of the time, the theology that we grew up with, the theology that we hear, is the exact opposite of the Word of God. It's remarkable, isn't it? God says, now I know that you're a God-fearing man. How can God not know? God knows everything. God knows everything about you and about I that we don't even know about ourselves. And yet... It, it took an act of obedience to divine law in order for God to say, now I know. 
So people say, what's the importance of the Torah? This is the importance. We're reading it right here. And Abraham raised his eyes and saw and behold a ram. Now, there's an entire insight. Again, there's so much about the Akedah, which is so important, um, that we're not going to get to. The word Akedah means the binding. It is the binding of Isaac. The binding of the son. The root of it, the word means to mark. Why? Because Isaac, when he got up from this experience, he was forever marked, the sages tell us, in his hands and in his feet. Think about it. Let it sit, let that sink in for a second. With the burn marks of the rope. You know, like somebody on the old Western movies, they had almost been hanged, and so they've got burn marks, the rope mark on their neck. Now, whenever Isaac would, would go around, or go around town, when he was taking his wife out to the movies, he was sometimes stopped and they would say, hey, are you the guy that uh, your father offered up on the offering? And he said, yes, I am. Look at my hands, look at my feet. That's what the word Akedah means. Now, Pirkei the Rebbe Eliezer has an insight that we, we I, I've talked about this in Drasha, I, I, I know, but... The insight is that the ram here is not a typical, normal, uh, blue ribbon ram. This is actually this is actually a ram that was created 2,000 years before creation. Now again, I don't have time. Time does not permit me to get into all of this right now. But this ram is actually Mashiach. And Rabbi Eliezer brings down... And Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer, that the ram ran to be sacrificed. It ran to take Isaac's place. But it was caught in the thicket, and the, 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 the ancient insight brings down that it was Hasatan, cursed be he, that caught the ram in the thicket. The thicket is a thorn bush. How did it catch the ram? By wrapping the thorns around the horns, i.e. the head of the ram. So here you have a ram who's a supernatural ram created before the foundations of the earth. The the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. And it is found with a crown of thorns around its head. And then it was taken to replace Isaac upon the wood that the sages say was like the wood of the crucifixion. Now, some of you, if you're driving, you might want to pull over because this could become dangerous. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really? Yes, there's so much about this story. Oh my goodness. But we again, we're just... This is, this is like taking a snow cone from an iceberg at this point. So it says afterwards, caught in the thicket by its horn, so Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as an offering instead of his son. Now the sages bring down that Isaac actually was offered. And it, this is why it says in the, in the letter to the Hebrews, it says that Isaac was offered according to the parable in Hebrews chapter 11. What does it mean according to the parable? It means according to the Midrash. That's what the word parable means there. It means the Midrash. People say, I'm against rabbinic literature. I'm against Talmud. I'm against Midrash. Yeshua wasn't. Neither were the apostles. 
but anyway, that Isaac actually was offered. The first offering of, of the circumcised um, Abraham, and this, by the way, is Jewish thought. I have an entire article, I have a couple of, in fact, I have two articles on this that I've, I've commented on in years past from Jewish authors. That the first offering by a full Jew, meaning Abraham, he had converted, he went through the mikvah as it were, he went through circumcision. His first offering was a human sacrifice. And it was Isaac's sacrifice that actually anointed Mount Moriah and the altar and the foundation of the temple and everything else. All the other offerings point to the Akedah. This is why we don't have to have offerings. Somebody say, well, why do we have to have offering why do we have to have offering or, or you know or, 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 or let me let me rephrase that pardon me let me rephrase why don't we need offerings today people say how do the jews get saved before or since there aren't any offerings the answer is the same way that, that we've it's always been if you look at the rosh hashanah service or the yom kippur service we're asking God to remember the son who was offered by the father. Now in Orthodox Jewish circles, that's Isaac. For those of us in Lapid Judaism, we honor Isaac's offering, but Isaac's offering was only a prelude to the offering of Yeshua, who was the final Akira. This is what it means when it says he's the final offering. It doesn't mean, it does not mean that offerings would cease because A, they didn't cease and B, they're going to renew in the Messianic future. This is what it, we learn in the book of Ezekiel. When the third temple comes, there will be offerings again. The apostles continued to offer offerings after the resurrection of Yeshua for many, many, many years. How could they do that if Yeshua was the final offering? That's because all the offerings that were offered, no matter what kind of offering it was, no matter if it was a, a libation offering, an offering of fruit and vegetables, an offering of bulls and goats, every offering pointed to the one offering that gave every other offering its source of merit. Well, again, I'm getting off my train of thought here because there's so much about this but um, let me continue reading shall we we are in uh, where are we Catorce is that right my Sephardic friends 14 am I saying that right I always get 14 and 15 messed up in Spanish and Abraham called the name of that site Adonai Yireh this is the first part of Yerushalayim Adonai will see we'll see what what does it mean I said uh, thank you thank you Shem gracias Shem um Adonai will see. What does it mean, Yerushalayim? Yere, Yeru, means that God will be seen in his full manifestation. I talked about this last week when we talked about Melchizedek. That Adonai will see. He will see what? It's, that, it's actually not so much that Adonai will see, but we will see Adonai. That Jerusalem is the place. Let, let's put it this way. Jerusalem is the place where we will see the full manifestation of Hashem. Yeah. Can you say Yeshua? And it is said this day, on the mountain Adonai will be seen. Verse 15. The angel of Adonai called Abraham a second time from, from Shemayim, and he said, 
By the way, the sages bring down an entering insight. I know I'm, I'm just keep interrupting myself. I'm, I'm excited this morning. I love this passage. This is wonderful. Um, anyway, it says the sages bring down an insight here. Why the angel, uh, the voice of Hashem, the Batkol, called out from heaven. How come there wasn't an angel that brought the message or whatever? Why was there a voice from heaven? And the, the, the idea is, is that in Abraham's tent, Abraham and Sarah were so godly, so holy, that it was not uncommon to see angels walking around all the time, much like my own house. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Actually, there are angels. My wife is an angel. Our, our, our daughters are angels. But anyway... But it's interesting insight here is that it says that Abraham was like a high priest offering up the atonement sacrifice. And as a result, just like no one was allowed to be inside the temple when the high priest was there offering up the blood of the sacrifice for atonement on Yom Kippur, no one was allowed to be in there with him, to include the angels. As a result, a voice had to come here from Shemayim because no one else was allowed to be in the place of the offering of atonement. That's why there was a voice there and not the manifest presence of an angel, so to speak. So what does that tell us? It tells us that from a Jewish point of view, Isaac's offering was the epitome, the ultimate, the source, the root of the Yom Kippur offering, the atonement offering of Yom Kippur, which is why in the book of the, the letter of Hebrews, it talks about the blood of bulls and goats could never wipe away sin. Of course not. That was not that's not profound at all. It was understood that there had to be a perfect sacrifice, the sacrifice of Mashiach. This is why Judaism teaches that Messiah ben Yosef comes and dies and erases the sins of Israel. The writer of Hebrews was not anybody who was Jewish in the first century would have read that letter and said, Of course, of course. People who are not Jewish read that letter and somehow think that Jews were thinking that blood, the blood of bulls and goats somehow removes our sin completely and utterly and totally. But that's, that's because, well, that's not what we think, but that's okay. Um, verse 17. That, I will, sh okay, uh, by yourself I swear because it doesn't, oh, you not withheld your only son. That I shall surely, surely bless you and greatly increase your offspring like the stars of heaven, like to the sand of the seashore, and your offspring shall inherit the gate of its enemy, and all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves by your offspring, because you have listened to my voice. Abraham, Abraham returned to his young men, and they stood up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham stayed at Beersheba. It came to pass of these things that Abraham was told, saying, Behold, Milcah too has born children, and Nahor your brother, Uz, the firstborn, Buz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Amron, and Hesed, Hazel, Pildash, Jilpa, Jidlaf, 
and Bethuel, and Bethel begot Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother, and his concubine, whose name was Reumah, also bore children, Teba, Geham, Tahash, and Makam. Now, I mentioned yesterday as we were um, as we were signing off, as it were, that uh, Abraham's offering of Isaac had another aspect to it that was phenomenal. And that was that Isaac um, was the image of uh, was the image of his father Abraham. There's an insight in the Kehot Tumash bringing down the sources here for this um, that people were mocking uh, Abraham and Sarah. They were saying that, you know what, this is all a ruse. That in fact, Avimelech is the one who got Sarah pregnant and uh, they're pretending that this child is theirs between their own union. But in fact, it he is not. So what God did, it talks about in the insights here, that God performed a miracle and made um, made it so that Isaac was the spitting image. He, he was an identical image to Abraham. So let's get this straight. Abraham was offering his son on the altar, which our sages refer to like a crucifixion. And that son that was being offered was his image. So the image of the father was being offered on an altar that was like a crucifixion stake. That is the Akedah. Now we have time for one more insight here. Going back to Sarah said that people will laugh for me. That is to say, people will rejoice with me. How else is Isaac likened to Yeshua? This is our final, our final thought here. They will rejoice with me. It says here from Rabbi Mung's commentary, Along with Sarah, God remembered many other barren, barren women. Many sick people were cured on that day. Many prayers were answered on that day. <laughs> and it says, and there was great joy in the world. When Isaac was born, that was the original joy to the world. End of our Aliyah today. I pray that you have a fantastic and amazing prep day as we prepare for God's Holy Sabbath. Thank everybody for joining me from all over the Fruited Plain. In fact, all over the world. It is a great joy to have all of you. Hi, uh, uh, Shimon. Good to see you. I pray that you have and your precious family have a, uh, a wonderful uh, Arab Shabbat there in Tulsa. If you're in the Tulsa area, please join them. It's going to be fantastic. Please like this video. Please share it with your friends. Remember what I said? Send 10 of your friends a private message and say, hey, this video is just for you and you want to see it. And let's spread the light, the Mashiach, to all the world. Shalom and blessings and Shabbat Shalom to everybody. We'll see you in Shul tomorrow, God willing.